Hello, welcome to Ignited Youth. We are happy to see you and hope you enjoy our episode today. Connect with us through Instagram at bvcc.youth. If you would like to submit an anonymous question or have a prayer request, please click on the link in the description. Without further ado, here is today's episode. So I, first of all, want to welcome you guys for coming tonight because in John 12, we're going to look at the way how John describes this last week of Jesus. And it's amazing because John, he sets up this story, not in the entry. Matthew does. Luke does. They, they set up as Jesus already entering Jerusalem. What I love about John is that he sets up before. Every other gospel tells you that Jesus was traveling to, from Bethany. But they don't tell you the backstory. I love John because John tells you the backstory why he was coming out of Bethany and why he had to stop by Bethany. And I think this story here is going to set up the entry of Jesus. I'm going to look at how John 12 verse 1 says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus has, had raised from the dead. There was Lazarus. This was the Lazarus that was dead, remember? And Martha and Mary are broken and they're crying. And they're looking at Jesus and they sent out for him. They said, hey, your friend is not a stranger, Jesus. Is Lazarus. Is the one that you care about. He is, he is dying. We need for you to come. Jesus permits. This is the same Lazarus. He permits for him to die. And then he rises him up. And everybody is like in shock. Well, this is the same house. And it's inter very interesting how Jesus comes back to the place where he raises us from the dead. He comes back before he dies. And it's amazing the setup because there's so much meaning and we can miss it. But he says here, verse 2, here a dinner was given to Jesus' honor. I mean, Lazarus is like, God, thank you for, for healing. Thank you for raising me from the dead. There is no way I can pay you by giving you a dinner in your honor. Martha says there, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Martha never changes. She's always about serving people. We see her in the last story. She's still serving. We see her now. She's still serving. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And I'm wondering why. Why would Mary take this expensive perfume and start washing Jesus' feet? Why? Well, we just read because she had done, God had done a miracle in her brother. I mean, we just read how Jesus rose him from the dead. She's so grateful. She's so grateful, and she pours it out and wipes her feet. He says, she wiped the feet of Jesus with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance 
of that perfume. She wiped and washed Jesus' feet with her hair, meaning his feet had to be in her face. Her worship didn't, this act that she did was an act of worshiping God. And it didn't matter how it looked to other people because we see Judas's response. Verse 4 says, but one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who later would betray him, he objected. Why wasn't there's perfume sold and given the money to the poor? Mary doesn't care who's there. She doesn't care about the comments. She doesn't care about the stares. She doesn't care about the gossip. Look at her, man. Look at what she's doing. How humiliating. Because in her mind, she's so thankful that she got a miracle from God. She's so thankful that her brother came back from life. She's so thankful that God interfered, restored her family, that the way she's going to thank him is by giving him the most expensive perfume and anointing him before his burial. And it says that the house cons was consumed with the fragrance of the perfume. Can we smell, can the house of God being consumed with the fragrance of your worship? It was on Mary. Can we see how you worship? Can we see how much you're thankful for God or maybe you're not? That's, I, it's a question, I don't know. I don't know if God's answered you something. I don't know if it's ever done something in your life so meaningful that you can't stop saying thank you it's like receiving this gift that you didn't think you were gonna get and I know we do this more when we're younger and we tell our parents thank you 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 they're like okay no no thank you thank you thank you thank you this is the best gift ever oh my god I didn't think I was gonna get it I know I wasn't like the best but but thank you thank you and then you're like amazed for this gift that was Mary's response I remember praying God heal I remember praying I can only imagine how Mary felt when God does answer. It's amazing. When you pray for something that it's impossible and God answers, it's, it's this joy. And it didn't matter if you come to church and the way you worship and you're not scared to hide your feelings. But we're taught that way. We're taught to hide our feelings because if you show your feelings too much, wait a minute, there's pills for that. You can't cry. Why would you cry? You have no reason to cry. We're, we're, we're shown to hide our emotions. We're, we're taught to hide back our tears. We're taught that we can't show because it's weakness. 
But when we see and worship, Mary doesn't care because she loves Jesus so much that the way she can respond in worship and thankfulness is giving this gift and wiping his feet with her hair. And we come to church and God's done some miracles in your life and he has you here and he's answered you when you've called. But because the next person doesn't sing loud, why would I? And you hold back. Because the next person is not singing loud enough. I'm not gonna out sing someone else. And we start holding back. Sometimes I feel like just closing my eyes saying, man, thank you, Lord. But then the fear comes in, who's staring? Who's looking? Maybe sometimes I just want to raise my hands and go, man, God, you've given me the strength to show up tonight. I've had a tough week. We're having a good week, and I want to thank you. But because we don't see somebody else moving forward with the things that God is putting in our hearts and how to worship him, we limit. We stop. And Mary didn't care. Mary said, I don't care who's here. I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's around. They might talk anyway. But Jesus answered me. And he was faithful. And so he demands my worship. And this is the story that set up before the entry triumph of Jesus going to Jerusalem. This is an act of worship. This is set up. Because you can't be worshiping Jesus on, the, on public if you can't do it privately. If you can't sit in your own bed, in your own room, when no one's looking, when no one judges you, and you feel nervous, oh man, how can I tell God I love you? If you can't do that in the privacy, I promise you, you won't do it publicly because all the eyes are on you. So you can't come into church expecting to sing and worship to a mighty God, a living God. You can't come into service church thinking, man, now I'm going to sing because everyone's singing. You won't. You'll freeze. You'll stop. You'll sing very quietly. Why? When the God of the heavens has been so faithful, Mary didn't care. She didn't care. And I wanted to set up this sermon because I wanted to set up Passion Week for you. I wanted to set up what was going to happen. And in verse 12 there in John, the subtitle on the top says, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as a king. He shows up to the city as a king. He shows up to a city as a king. Whose city was that? Whose city did that belong to? Well, at that point, it belonged to 
the Roman Empire. Caesar was the king. At that moment, if you want to be a little bit more religious, you will say it was a, it was a city of David. He's the one that, that, that people rem, was reminded when they heard Jerusalem. But Jesus is going to walk into the city. And it says here the next day after the party, after the dinner, after everyone's talking about Mary, how she wiped the feet of Jesus with her hair and this expensive perfume. After that day, it says a great crowd had come to the festival. What festival? We just read it. We sang about it. It was a Passover. It was this festival of them reminding. It was, it was, it was like, it's like Christmas, right? Or it's like, it's, it's like Easter. When there's big holidays, it's like the spirit of celebration is already there. That's what was happening in the streets of Jerusalem. People were already celebrating the fact that God had delivered them from Egypt. They were already celebrating the fact that this angel of death had passed over their house because they had killed a lamb and they had painted blood all over the marks of their house. And death would not come to that house. Death skipped over, it passed over. And it was a setup, guys. This was a setup. Why? Because these people are celebrating already how God was faithful, how he delivered them from slavery, how God had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. He was already, it was a, God had already promised them a promised land and he had taken them. And now they're the, you know, they're the people of God. And they're celebrating that. Every year they celebrated that. But isn't it amazing how on Palm Sunday it's overlapping Passover and then it's going to overlap his crucifixion. It, it, it almost seems like, like, like Palm Sunday has to come after Easter, after Resurrection Sunday because they're celebrating a triumph. They're celebrating victory. They're celebrating a conquest. And Jesus is the king. And they're celebrating when it seems like in those times when a king went out to battle and they would win a battle and they would come back and then they would celebrate, they would do a parade. It's just like when you guys, your favorite team, wins a championship and they give them this, this parade in the city acknowledging, I know, you know, Cowboy fans, you guys won't see that soon. And, 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 and I know us Laker fans won't see that soon either. You know, it's in a woo. It's not in our reach. I know it's been a sad day for all of us. We're off the playoffs. But it is the same way. What is God celebrating? The people of Israel are celebrating. They're out there. They're, 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 they're happy. Palm Sunday. But they're celebrating a victory they don't understand. They're celebrating a victory that they weren't even there. And sometimes we come to church and we celebrate things that our parents told us how God was faithful. And we try to use that to pursue our worship towards God. 
What the, child, what the people of Israel didn't know is that they were going to be in the middle of another victory. They were, they were celebrating a victory, but they were going to be part of a victory. They were going to be a witness how God, how Jesus would conquer death. And how every prophecy will be fulfilled on, his, on that cross. So what was God celebrating? Why was he riding that donkey as a king? What was his triumph? Because when we hear somebody coming in trance because they won a, a war. Because if, if, if you ever remember hearing about David and Saul, after they defeat many, many battles, people will come and, and, and make a parade. And as Saul and David will come into the city, man, Saul killed thousands. But David, his ten thousands, they were celebrating. Man, these guys are warriors. So what was the celebration on Palm Sunday? What battle did he win? It's just like boxing, right? When the boxer's going to come in into the ring, the song that, 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 that comes out before from his tunnel, it's, it's promoting enthusiasm to the crowd that he's a champ. I mean, it's, 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 it's like people are screaming to this athlete how good he is. And that's what's happening around. But why are the people screaming? I know they were, do, they were celebrating past. I know they were, they were remembering what God did. But it's amazing because verse 17 says, now the crowd was there with them when he called Lazarus from the tomb. These people were witnesses of what God has done. The people in the crowd have, were there because they saw Jesus do something physically. Verse 13 says, they took branches and went out to meet him. Who? People, like verse 17 says, the crowd that were there performing. So they were there when he performed signs. I can only imagine that the man in the tombs in Mark 5 was there. That man with evil spirits was there. I can only imagine that the man with leprosy, with the ten leopards, and they come to Jesus. And they tell him, God, son of, son of God, son of man, heal us. And he says, go present yourself to the priest. And as they were leaving God's presence, they were healed. I can only imagine that guy in Luke 15 where his friends open up a hole in the roof and they're laying him down because he can't walk. And then God heals him. He says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. I can imagine he's in the crowd singing Hosanna. Because they saw him. Verse 17 says that there were there the people that had seen the signs. I, 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 would, I, I would imagine that the guy with the withered hand was there. And I bet you, because it says they were, they were loud. I bet you he wasn't like, oh my gosh, oh my hand. No, he was screaming, man. He was waving his hands. He was like, Jesus, oh, man, you're amazing. You healed me. That widow that went to Jesus. Because her son had died and Jesus raises him from the dead. That woman with this issue with blood. Or that blind man in Matthew 9. Or that, or the, or the, or that multitude he fed with five loaves and two fish. Or that woman that was crippled for 18 years. They were the ones there. Why were they screaming? Because God was, had been faithful to them. You can only worship 
if God has done something in your life. You can only be thankful. You can only enjoy Palm Sunday. If you ever have ever cried out to God and he's answered, then you have the right to go, man, God, you've been good. But the people that were there had received a physical healing. And so when they're crying out there in that verse 13, it says, Hosanna, Hosanna, what it means is, please save us. I know you did something in the past. I know you healed me. I, but what? My situation is still the same. There'll be times where God will do something for you, but your situation is still the same. Rome was still governing over. Rome was still in control the oppression of the Roman Empire was still there. And what they're shouting is, I know you're God because I've seen it. We were there when you raised up Lazarus. I know you can do things. But what they're asking God is no longer a physical miracle. What, what they're asking God is, I want you to change my situation. Because every time God did a miracle was so that they would believe. Now they believe. When you ask God for something, it was to prove that he was alive. You know he's alive. But what you're asking him now is what they were asking him there. Hosanna, save me, but not from my sin. Save me from my oppressor. Don't deliver me from my sin. I know you can do that. Deliver me from the people that are bugging me, the people that are around me, that are mean people of my situation. God, act in behalf of me. Hosanna means save me now. Please interfere now. But a, based on a situation, and Palm Sunday is this declaration before the engagement. Palm Sunday is a celebration before the engagement. Palm Sunday comes before Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. You're celebrating what God has done because you know he'll be faithful through anything that you go through. You can't skip over Palm Sunday. He, God has always been there. And that's what they're singing, Hosanna. They're shouting, Hosanna. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. You come representing God. We know that. Blessed be the king of Israel. Verse 14, Jesus found a young donkey set on it as it was written. It was all prophecy. Verse 15, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated, seated on a donkey, on a colt. So all these people understood that God had done something. But they couldn't see why he was there. And then as they were screaming out, Hosanna, they're saying, God, I want you to change my situation. And God is thinking more than that. And he's thinking beyond that. 
And it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. But what he means is that he's going, and that tied up with the series we had on vision. We just spent two weeks, three weeks learning how to shine in a dark place. You know, a lot of things can happen in seven days. A lot of things can happen from this Sunday to next Sunday. So many things can go and happen on Monday. We're going to see it, and we're going to have different things going on this week, and they're going to announce it later on, but it's going to be amazing, and I hope you don't miss it. Because what happens is so many things can happen. The only thing that always remains is God's presence. And so what did Jesus say? What did he say? Why, why, why is this this scripture here saying here uh, uh, in, in verse 15, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Meaning, do not be afraid, church. See that your king is coming. Because Jesus continually was saying over his ministry. And in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus is declaring time after time. Jesus is already starting to preach. And he says, for time of now has begun, Jesus pre-saying, repent, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, the kingdom of God is near. What he's, what he's not saying, the kingdom of God will eventually come. He said, it's here. You're, gonna, you're, you're seeing the king. You're seeing God in the flesh. What he's saying is, you have access to God. The king is here. And he always talked about his kingdom here, kingdom on earth. And he always talked about him. And, and that's why when he's with Pilate and he's in front of him, Pilate goes, so are you the king of the Jews? Jesus' answer is amazing. He says, why are you asking? Are you asking for you? Pilate goes, no. What, am I a Jew to repent? What he's saying is, are you a threat to my life? Are you a threat? Because people are calling you king. And there's only one king, which is Caesar. And all I want to know, all Pilate wanted to know is, are you a threat to my job? Are you a threat to my routine? Are you a threat to my belief system? Are you a threat? And Jesus is saying, yes, I am. You said it, not me. You're calling me king. I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't say, hi, my name is Jesus, I'm the king. Pilate already knew in his heart that Jesus wasn't the same as any other person. So he asked, I want to confirm. And John 1 continues to push and says the next day, John the Baptist, which is Jesus' cousin, saw Jesus coming towards him and he said look the lamb of God that takes the sins of the world that's what was happening here Palm Sunday is a setup it was a celebration in the middle of God's sacrifice for you see in other words is this Jesus becomes your hope in the most desperate times of your life. And he's the one that comes in 
and does something for you that you wouldn't do for yourself. Because there's a lot of situations in your life and in my life that we have given up. Times where we say, well, I'm just like this. I'm not going to change. Have you ever spoken to somebody that's just, they're stubborn? You're like, mm-hmm, yeah. They're just stubborn. And they tell you, well, I'm just like this. I don't believe so. I believe we're made to God's image. We're perfect. It's just sometimes we're just tired of, of trying. And the thing about Palm Sunday, the thing about Palm Sunday, it's already a celebration of God's victory over death. Palm Sunday, it's already a celebration of God's faithfulness. His victory over Egypt now is going to become the victory over any mistake, any sin, anything the devil's going to try to do, anything that's going to try to rob your worship. God says, I have paid it on the cross. You do not have to be labeled with that anymore. So now it's not just going to be celebrating because God was good in the past. That was, that's great. He, he, he has. But I don't want you to miss this week how God will continue to work because there's still things he wants to do now. See, your worship has to be developed from current miracles from God. The good old times were awesome. The good old days were great. But if you ever find yourself always telling the same stories, of, ooh, and man, I remember when the youth group was, man, I remember when I was young. I remember when this church was great. I remember when. The church is amazing because God's alive. Your story's not over. The best days are ahead of you. If God's for us, who can be against us? And this victory, this walk, this triumph, this, this celebration is not because God was good in the past, which he was. Is he's walking into that city saying, I'm going to prove to everyone publicly that I am God and not even death can hold me down. And as the week starts going by, they start losing hope because he gets arrested. How can God, the king, get arrested? What? What's going on? And now he's being beat to the point that I can't even recognize him? And his disciples, his friends, the, the people that claim to, to, to be with him for three years, they're gone? And the people now are scared. They're questioning. Then the same people that, that scream, Hosanna, by Friday, they're screaming, crucify him. Why? Because the church is gone. You can't have a church. You can't be a Christian without Christ. You can't represent someone you don't know. And at that first church, in their eyes, 
They were praising God because they heard stories. Maybe you're here praising God because you heard stories that God could change your life. But you're here thinking, man, I don't see him. Man, my problems are big. Man, my problems are bigger than me. I, I, I heard there's a God that's looking for me, but I don't see it. I don't want that situation to stop you from experiencing God's real power to set you free and for him to come alive in your life and put you in a place of victory. So I want you to prepare your heart this week because Monday's going to come. Two days, Tuesday's going to come. Wednesday, Judas betrays him. Friday, he's trialed and crucified. You're thinking, where are you, God? But don't hold on because a lot of things can happen in seven days. Because Sunday is coming. And that, to, that, that stone is going to be rolled away. And when Jesus was able to come and resurrect on that Sunday, and then he appeared over, over 50 times to different people, before he went back to heaven, people saw him. Thomas saw him. He says, man, I won't believe until I, I, I put my hand on his side and, his, and, and my hand and I will touch those holes. He realized when Jesus appears to him, he says, I'm sold out. I'm, I'm good. I'll die for you. See, you won't have a victory song until you meet the resurrected Christ. The moment that you hear stories, that's good. That'll bring you to church. But what's going to help you stay for the race is you having an experience with the resurrected Christ. The stories will get you here. People will tell you how God is good and how God has been faithful and how God will, will, will pull you out from dark places and he'll restore you. Those stories are good because they bring you here. But now that you're here, now that when you're in Jerusalem, now that you're here in the city of God, among God's people, what's going to happen then? The only thing that's going to help you to come out of this place knowing that you are more than a conqueror is the resurrected Christ. And that is what we want to pray as we set up for Passion Week. And we're going to set up that, that's the platform that we're going to set up for this Holy Week. Why is this so important? Because Jesus came not only, not only as a king, he didn't only come to set a tone of, of something, you got to be different, and maybe your situation won't change, but your destination is more important for God than what you're going through right now. The destination of your life is way more important to Jesus than what your current situation is. You're like, no, I want God to change my now. He says, I want you to be with me forever. Your destination is more important because times will change. The way you view life when you were five years old, I promise you, is, it has changed how you view it when you were 15, right? Five, you're like, oh, my dad doesn't want to buy me anything. He's mean. 
15, you're like, people are mean. Forget my dad. <laughs> I'm going to junior high. I'm in high. Man, you know what? 15 years old, you're like, man, people are mean. My family is nice. Then you go 25, and you, you, you look life different than you were in 15. Now you got to work. And when you're 35, it'll change. When you're 45, it changes. When you're 55, it ch life always changes. And your perspective of life is continuing to develop. The thing that is eternal is God. And he is constantly telling you, hey, your life will change. And maybe you're going to have hard times. And that's okay. You're like, no, but, but, but I'm praying for my situation to change. He says, I'll change you. And you inside will change your situation. Because the strongest people that I've known, the strongest people that I've met, the strongest people that I've gone to talk to are the people that have not been giving them an easy life. But they've learned to create strength and hope from dark places. Now I'll say that again because I want to end with that. See, Palm Sunday is this. It's a reminder that God will fight for you. Palm Sunday, it's a reminder of a celebration of life. And the strongest people are the ones that have not gone an easy life. But they've learned to create strength and hope from dark places. And when I've spoken to people that have hurts and pains and they tell me, man, I've gone through this. I've done this. I've had to cry because of this. I've been through this. And, and the same, but God has given me the, I'm still alive. Yes, I'm hurt. Yes, there's scars. Yes, there's, there's, there's things that I'm not the same. Maybe I won't smile as often anymore. Maybe I'm more sensitive at certain things. Maybe I still kind of, kind of, you know, I'm, 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 I'm nervous as other things. But you know what? God's been so good because I'm here. And why I worship, I worship from a place of freedom because that's not holding me down anymore. And I've seen people build, people that are strong in the faith, has not, have, their life has not been easy. And if you want an easy life, you will cheat yourself from being a testimony. You want your situation to change. No, you know what? I'm going to pray that you ask God to give you the strength to go through it. So as you go through it, people can see how much you love Jesus. The resurrected power is in you. And that will not stop you. And that will not, even though you're seeing the next to the person that's going to betray you, hey, Judas is there. I know. But guess what? People were, those disciples, they, they, you have to learn to continue moving forward. Yes, the Pharisees are there. Yes, people, religious people are there. Yes, people are going to murmur. Yes, people are going to talk. Yes, situations might not change. Yes, you're going to feel alone. Yes, your Saturday is going to be there where you feel like God's silent. Yes, I know. But your Sunday is still coming. Your Sunday is going to get here. Don't lose hope. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop celebrating, even though you don't see it now.
Because God's been faithful, he will be faithful for eternity until he comes back. And as he comes for his church, he will pick you up and take you to his glory. And you will be there forever. Where you won't cry anymore. Where you won't have pain. You won't need of anything because he will fulfill every desire from your heart. That's coming. Don't give up. Don't stop singing. Don't stop worshiping. Your Sunday is coming. You're seven days away from your miracle. You're seven days away from seeing God resurrect. You're seven days away. Don't stop. A lot of things can happen in a week. We want to pray for you. We want to come around and pray that God gives you hope and strength to move forward. Palm Sunday, it's already in the spirit of celebrating. But Palm Sunday should just remind you that you have so much to be thankful for. You know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray that God gives you the strength to go back and look at your house and say thank you that I at least have a home. I stink a little bit sometimes and might not be the best. But thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head because you would never appreciate if you've never been homeless. Have you ever been out in the street that you would not appreciate sitting down in a couch saying, thank you, Lord? Have you ever been hungry but you're scrapping through trash. So next time your mom and dad feed you and open up that refrigerator, say thank you, Lord. Thank you, because you're faithful. I know things are happening around you, but don't forget that God's with you. Don't forget to worship him during the hardest times. You know, so many times I would complain about my parents. I would. Because your parents are your parents and you always complain about them. I do, I did. And now I tell people, hey, I know they might be grumpy and have their defects, but believe me that you'll miss them when they're not here. Because they won't see and they won't be around when you need them the most. So I pray that you go home and you hug them. You know, what in the world are you doing? Man, just, just stop. Just stop. Don't, don't fight it. Thank you. God, thank you. Because at least I have parents around. Your siblings? It might be annoying sometimes and get on your nerves, but hug them. See, sometimes we overmiss the blessings we have until they're gone, until they're not here anymore. And you're in, stuck in 
I wish I could have done this. See, let Palm Sunday be a celebration for you that God's been faithful. But don't forget to praise Him and don't forget to thank Him for the things He is giving you now. Life. And don't miss the miracle of everlasting life. Don't let whatever is around you consume you enough where you stop. Your goal is not to survive the next weekend. I remember telling one of my friends growing up, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he's like, you know, Jerry, I don't know, man. I just want to survive the next weekend, man. He's like, I can't think farther than next weekend. I don't know. And I remember coming back from junior high and his parents left him because there were too many kids. And he's there after school. Like they left. He says they, they even took the cat. It's too many mouths to feed. Don't think that you have so many problems. Everybody has problems. But you're still here. Praise Him. You're still here. Cry out, hallelujah, hosanna. God, save me. God, rescue me. I'm here. Grab that oil. Pour it over Jesus' feet. Worship Him. Fill this place with your worship. Undying, unfolding. Just thank you, God. I don't care who's around me. Man, thank you because you've been faithful. Thank you because you heard me. Thank you that you rescued me without going through any other. I know I've done mistakes, but man, you've healed me. You've, you've transformed my life. God, you have to come out from that, guys. Don't let anything rob you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you because you're good. God, you're amazing. Thank you for Palm Sunday. Thank you for setting us up. Thank you for letting us see your goodness and your faithfulness. God, those stories that we hear about a God that's all-powerful, a God that's all, that you have mercy and love, and that your love abounds. And, 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 God, we thank you. But I know there's people here that are asking you for something. And maybe they're just tired of asking. But I pray that nothing distracts them from seeing the King of Glory in all, in all your splendor. God, thank you for fighting a fight that we couldn't fight, we couldn't win. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for allowing me to live when I should have died. Thank you for hanging on that cross for my iniquities, for my transgressions. And thank you for loving me even when I don't. Thank you for not abandoning me when I do. And thank you for giving me a second chance 
when I've lost all hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.